Well, I wanted to uh, return to something that about nine years ago we, we worked on. We worked on The Prayer of Jabez. And uh, it's a book about this size. There are about uh, 350 million of these that have been distributed. And I think we're going to have some available in the next uh, week or so for you to pick one up here. And I want to suggest that you read it. It's a, it's a brief book, but it's a powerful one. And I, I think you'll see uh, what I mean a little bit after we talked a little bit this morning. Ever feel like you're just kind of, uh, you just have to do something? You get those moments, I've got to do something. I can't just sit here. Matter of fact, doing anything is better than doing nothing. Well, some years ago, a guy in Long Beach was unemployed, looking for a job, staring at the walls. Ever been there? Wondering what's the next step. And uh, he decided that he just couldn't sit there any longer. So he'd always wanted to be a pilot. Having no money, he couldn't do that. So what he did was he uh, fashioned in his lawn chair, he fashioned uh, some helium balloons. Matter of fact, 16 of them, the big ones. And he blew those up with uh, all that helium, and then he prepared himself, and he took off on one sunny day. This is a true story. And the guy starts to soar, and he goes to 16,000 feet in the Los Angeles area, and he enters LAX airspace. Radar picks him up. There's this little dot on the screen, and it's floating very slowly. And uh, so all the alerts go out of an unknown uh, something in the air, some kind of a, of a, of a device. Uh, and then uh, he was sighted by the, uh, the folks on the ground, and they saw that it was the strangest looking thing. This guy floating 16,000 feet up in a lawn chair with a bunch of balloons. Well, after a while, he decided he'd had his thrill. He made his objective. He was doing something about it. So he started to, uh, with a BB gun that he had uh, with him, shoot the balloons out one at a time. And, of course, uh, eventually it started to drop, and he landed safely. And uh, when the authorities uh, surrounded him and uh, questioned uh, what this was all about, all he could say was, I just couldn't sit there any longer doing nothing. Ever feel that way? I just am not going to sit here any longer doing nothing. I'm going to get up and do something about it. Well, 15 years ago, Arrow Highway Wesleyan Church, which was the name of our church at that time, was at a point of trying to figure out who we were. And it was one of those kinds of times when we sat around, not many of us, I might add, and we sat around, and we were thinking about it and praying about it, and we kind of came to that same conclusion. We're just not going to sit around and do nothing. We're going to do something about it. Well, in 1996, as you've heard me say from time to time, some leaders spent a year in praying and in seeking God's direction, and we came up with a vision statement that's in your bulletin. And then we came up with a verse. And that verse is John 1.14, our theme verse, the first part of it from the message translation where it says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
Well, we took the vision statement in that verse, that truth in that verse, we put that together, and we decided that we just couldn't sit around doing nothing any longer. We're going to do something about it. So we did. We developed a nonprofit uh, agency called Arrow Community Center. Our former uh, pastor, Dr. Les Blank, was the lead on that, and uh, some of us put that together and uh, made up a board and, and filed for all the papers, and then we started a challenge. We started a challenge to the people of this church that we would have an expanding, uh, expanding our territories campaign out of the passage that was read this morning, that we took that Jabez prayer literally and said, we're really going to do something about it. We're going to expand our borders. So two initiatives were accomplished during that time in 2001. The first one was an improvement to the property. There were many things that needed to be done, uh, and that was done. We, carpeting, and eventually the chairs were done, and roofs, and the canopy outside, and we painted the entire property. We sealed the uh, asphalt out in the uh, parking lot. There was just a great deal that had to be done. And we did that, and that was under the leadership of the Gots. They were ones that had helped us do that in leading that, that initiative. And then we started to also recognize that we needed to do something in the neighborhood. So we funded Arrow Community Center for three years so that we could hire staff and start a tutoring program here on the property. And 50 students a week came to be tutored and to be helped by volunteers right here. And for three and a half years, Arrow Community Center functioned in a fast-paced, dynamic capacity. Then the funds ran out. And where there are no funds, it changes the way you do things. However, what was next, we didn't know. But we decided we couldn't just sit around and do nothing. So we continued to revisit our vision, knowing that we could remain faithful to it if we kept pressing on. Pastor Earl always tells me something, uh, and probably in every board meeting, well, he didn't say it yesterday, but probably every other uh, board meeting, he reminds me at least, and I think our leadership, that the primary responsibility of a senior pastor is to keep the vision before us. That's the primary responsibility, and I don't know that I ever thought that was the primary. However, I think it is, and after reflecting upon that for a few years, I think he's right. And that's my primary responsibility, keep us focused and keep us moving ahead because we can't just sit there. So as we looked at that, we took our vision and we decided to put some things to it. Now, the first filling in your bulletin says, where there is no vision, the people perish or are unrestrained. Proverbs, that's Proverbs 29, 18. Let me read it to you in... Um, the New Living Bible. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now, that passage of Scripture and that promise and that proverb is really God's GPS. He, that is his guidance system for all of us. If we will stay focused on who he is, keep a vision in front of us of what he wants us to do for our families and our neighborhood and our world, then I will guarantee you, you'll stay right on track. There are no dead-end streets in God's GPS. He's not going to lead you down some snow road 
that has no end. No cul-de-sac. It's a big highway. There's lots going on. It's a dynamic walk. And after all of these years of walking with God, I will tell you, it gets better and better. It does not get worse. It actually is more challenging today than it was when I was in my youth. And I'm so glad to be my age and to be a grandpa. To reflect upon that is one thing, but to just enjoy some of the wonderful things that my family gives me and you give me, and just the peace of knowing who you are is, is amazing. And I see that in my GPS. Well, in 2001, uh, we did a little calculations, and Anika put some numbers together for me. And I asked her, I said, how many feet were on the property in a given week in 2001? Feet. We're talking about feet here. So it might be an odd number if somebody didn't have one foot, or if someone had three, it would be an odd number. But we, we decided to round it off to an even number. In 2001, there was about 820 feet on the property uh, on any given week with all the different things that were going on at the time. So as we thought about that, we thought, well, what's our vision? What's our neighborhood like? Uh, how do we do that? And then last summer in our staff meeting, we decided that we really had been praying about this a great deal. And we thought, you know, we really ought to shoot for 1,000 feet a week right here that'll come onto this property, 1,000 feet a week. Well, that brings us back to our story. Jabez gives us the clue on how to do that. These two, church, these two simple verses really give us insight. Uh, I've yet to find, however, a parent who's named their child Jabez. This is a strange name, J-E-B-E-Z. Uh, there, it really is a strange name. Uh, never heard of it before. You'll not hear of it again. Only shows up once in the Bible. In all of the, all of the scripture, one time this guy shows up. In a genealogy, in a phone book, it's just a name with a comment. And after that, it goes back on into the genealogy. So no particular thing except there was something about this guy that pops off the page. Well, when you name babies, and just as a, as a side note, when you name babies, you name them uh, with a meaning. I mean, you talk about it, you decide, you pray about it, you think through it. You think of your genealogy, your parents, or some name that you think is cute, or some movie star or rock star, like Elvis. We have Elvises today. And you wouldn't have had Elvises uh, 40 years ago, but you do today. And uh, a lot of Bible names, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, haven't met one named Revelation yet, but probably that's coming. And I've also noticed that uh, there's not anybody named Judas have you, I mean, maybe, but I've never met anybody named Judas. So some Bible names are not quite used so much. And, and no one named Herod. I haven't found that one either. But oh, so many others, Old Testament names. Well, Thursday or Friday, uh, we had, the Costas had their baby. Uh, Jennifer and, and Joey had uh, a little girl. And uh, so Pastor Dave and I, we went to see her uh, on Saturday, and there she is. Lucille Lee Costa. Can you see her? It's the little one. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Isn't she cute? She really is. She's really, you know, some babies aren't, but they always are. You know how that works? This is one cute baby. So we were having some fun there and praying over her and enjoying her, but her name is meaningful, right? Now let me see if I get this right. 
Marie, is it you? Who's the Lee? Is that your mother? It was Marie's mother-in-law, had the family name Lee. So Lucille, Lee, a heritage, a genealogy, if you will. Well, that's, that's what we're thinking about, names, and uh, how those are important. So we saw our newest member right there, newest member of our church. Isn't that something? Man, I'll tell you, I want to get her vote. She's a precious one. Well, a man's name or a woman's name always was significant and is still significant today. In this small book, in the prayer of Jabez, this name Jabez pops out, and he writes this whole book about it. It seems that... uh, In over 2,500 years, Jabez was the 35th descendant of Judah, and it's all listed in Chronicles. Chronicles, a chronicle, a record. It's just, you know, it's named after what it does. And it brings the genealogy all the way to prepare for the Messiah. So that was clearly indicated. And the blessings of Abraham kind of down through these genealogies. And uh, Wilkinson quotes his seminary chaplain, Dr. Richard uh, Sumi who said, want a bigger vision for your life? Sign up to be a gimper for God. And then he used this passage in in this sermon that he gave when when, uh, Bruce was a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. A gimper is someone who always does a little more than what's required or expected. A little more. Vincent Lombardi, he said it this way. It is time for us all to stand and cheer for the doer, the achiever, the one who recognizes the challenge and does something about it. We just can't sit around. we got to do something about it. So we continue to do that. Many of us have found a need to do a little more than is expected. My father always taught me that in your job, do a little bit more. Do it a little bit better. Leave it better than when you first uh, went. When we'd go to a campground, he'd say, Keep, leave it cleaner than when you showed up. We'd go around and pick up papers, everybody's papers, and mess. And then when I, I learned that principle, and when I was 10 years old, I was a paper boy. <laughs> 10. And I made $35 to $40 a month in 1953. I'd tell you, man, I was a rich kid. Down in Southgate, folks, I could have been a loan broker with that kind of money. And, uh, but my parents were wise. They had me put most of it away. I also had to give my sisters some. And then, of course, there was the tithe envelope. Then there was the savings envelope. Then there was the college envelope. So I noticed every month I owed the envelopes more than I had. That's <laughs> kind of how it is these days, isn't it? Don't you have a lot of envelopes to fill? But as I thought about that, there was such a benefit, and I could get a job at 10 years of age as a little independent businessman and make a great deal of money. Well, it was a principle about doing more, being a greater asset, working harder at something, expanding your territory. So I guess the next point in our outline is the question of the day, and it's this one. Do you want to be a gipper for God? Do you want to go a little bit farther? Do you want to put a little bit more in the life for God's sake? 
Do you really want to make a difference? In 2001, when I talked about this before, uh, I'd just been out of the hospital for a few months. Six months earlier, I'd had my second bone marrow transplant. And so I was very weak. And uh, I was thinking through my life and what I had left and how much time I might have, didn't know. And, uh, and, but I made a commitment. And the commitment is that I was going to be a gimper for God. I was going to do more than asked. I was going to stretch farther. I was going to give more of what we had. And I was going to work harder at the areas that really matter for eternity and less at the things that don't matter. So in that process, I made some commitments and uh, still today. And when you make that kind of a commitment and your hip is going out and you're going to have to have that replaced and you've just come out of cancer surgery and all of that serious stuff, in the midst of all that, you didn't have too much to offer. (laughs) You were kind of at the bottom, but you make a commitment. And some of you are at that place to make that commitment. And so in the midst of all of these 500 names that are listed in the account in the Chronicle, Jabez, he sticks out. In just these two simple verses. And out of this, we get some amazing things. He does not show up in the book of Hebrews. That's interesting. You'd think that he would, but he didn't. Here's what we get out of that. First, we get this. Things started badly for this man. They started badly, out of pain. Some of you say, man, life started badly for me. And it may have. The second thing is that we get out of this is He prayed an unusual one-sentence prayer, just an unusual one. God, expand my territories and bless me. Bless me. And then the third part of Jabez's story is things ended exceedingly well. And it's interesting how often our name is prophetic. This man's name that meant so much and has become so much uh, continues to mean a great deal to us. And a name means a lot of things. There's an awful lot of studies about names, and they say it has something to do with forming our character. Well, my father and mother argued about whether they should name me something. And my mother decided that my name would be Gordon. There were not very many Gordons around. There's still not very many Gordons around. But uh, if you ever meet one, they're just a great person. And, uh, and I, what we noticed was, and growing up in my whole school, there was not another Gordon. In my junior high school of probably 2,500 students, there wasn't another Gordon. In my high school, there was not another Gordon. In my college, there was one other Gordon. Hallelujah. And at APU, in all of the thousand or so staff, there's another Gordon. So the three of us have found each other. But in your name comes something. And my, my mother said it is a strong name. It is a, has that Scottish, Irish feel to it. And she said, I I would like a strong son. So that was the name given to me. I notice about names, though, that sometimes they can really form you in a negative way or in a positive way. Johnny Cash sang a song. Remember this one? A boy named Sue. You young people, you have no idea. You probably do. Johnny Cash is still pretty popular. You can get him on iPod. You can go ahead and subscribe to him right now and listen to it. And here's what that song said. It's a long song, and there's some things in the song that you would never present here in a church. However, the part that I can present says this. Uh, The father says to his son, after they reunited after a bar fight, it's a fascinating song. 
He said, son, the world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name. And I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's the name that helped to make you strong. And then he goes through, I named you Sue. <laughs> Third point, we must keep praying that God will expand our borders, our territories. We don't stop. We keep it up. We keep praying. Uh, we said that we would pray in the EOT back in 90 and 01. We said that we would pray in the new initiative we're in now. We continue to pray. Uh, in our prayer, this is the prayer of Jabez. This is a communication with God. This is an intimacy that he had with God in those two verses that were read. And God still does things. But however, here's the catch. We think that God should do things the way we want it. In our timing. You know, we pull our calendar out kind of and say, God, it's time for this and it's time for this. It's time for us to have a baby. We can't have a baby. It's not time for us to have a baby. We have a baby. It's not time for me to lose my job. I lose my job. It's not time for us to move. We move. And sometimes we say, it's not time for us to make a commitment to you, Lord. I have some more living to do. And then he waits. He waits. This neighborhood has been waiting. It's been waiting a long time for a real movement of God in our neighborhood that starts revival among our young people and our parents and our, and our adults. It continues to wait. And I believe that this is the source by which that will occur in this neighborhood. We've prayed about that for so long now, and for about 14 years, we've been focused on this in so many ways. Uh, God has continued to do that in his time. Lindy, would you remind us about that song one more time, and let us reflect upon this and ask yourself the question, in my prayer, in his time, what would he have me do? What would he have me be? Hear the words again. to 
Absolutely. And let us reflect on that. Thank you. I threw that honor this morning. You know, last night I had this inspiration about this song, so it's wonderful to live in the same house as the worship leader. I can go, honey, honey, I got an idea. And then this morning I said, honey, I got another idea. So we're able to do that. But one of the things I've learned over the years is that we must pray, and God has answers our prayers. You know, he's answering your prayer right now. It just may not be in your time. But he's answering your prayer. So I dare you to pray. I dare you to pray a prayer that says, expand my borders. That says, give me a blessing. That says, give me the tools and let me impact my neighborhood. I dare you. I challenge you to do that. And in his time, you will see the answer. So many people don't have that vision. They don't understand that God has a blessing for them and that he wants to expand them. And they try other things. They fill their voids in so many ways. Some people are driven, according to Gary Smalley and John Trent, in the the book The Blessing, they say some people are driven towards workaholics as they search for the blessings they never received at home, always striving for acceptance. They never feel satisfied that they're measuring up. Others get mired in withdrawal and apathy, and they give up hope of ever truly being blessed. Unfortunately, this withdrawal can become so severe that it can lead to chronic depression and even suicide. For almost all children who miss out on their parents' blessings, at some level, they lack acceptance when they start lifelong search. But I have good news. I have good news. The fourth point, God wants to bless you and your children and your children's children. In Genesis, it talks about a blessing. In Genesis, it says, I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you. I will make you a great. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. The word name comes out of there and the idea of blessing comes out of there. And then the third point says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. There's a protection there. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Then in Mark, Jesus said something about children. He said people were bringing the children to him, and they said children in the way. You know the story. And then he says this. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his arms on them and what? Blessed them. Gave them a blessing. God's covenant for Abraham was through the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, the covenant now is for all people. The promise is for all. Gentile, Jew, whoever it is. That's our promise, and that's what he gives us. The fifth point in our talk this morning, and our last point, is this. God wants to bless our church and our neighborhood. He has already ordained that to occur. I 
have a point. Um, respectfully interrupt. This would be the child. This would be, well, yeah. My child. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Have a seat. Oh, no, okay. I'm just kidding. Stay up here. <laughs> I'll, I'll step back. Um, I'm going to give a little, we've had um, a couple Earlisms this morning. You've brought Earl up, and I'm going to do a commercial like Earl does so gracefully. I don't know, mine's my, maybe not so graceful. But here's my interruption. This is my commercial. I want to tie this into um, the talk this morning with the prayer of Jabez. And I'm sure over the past many years, children in, on this property have dreamed of a playground on this site. Well, it happened to me when Maddie was about one. That's when I started um, praying for this playground. So in our house, it's been about nine years. And through expanding our territories, which you've heard about this morning, this dream became reachable as we raised, through EOT, expanding our territories, $33,000. And uh, that's good. $33,000. That's a lot. Not quite enough for a playground, though. So, um, and our theme for expanding our territories was the prayer of Jabez. So since then, so much has transpired. And during that time, we were able to hire two interns through some grant money that ultimately found a company called Kaboom, which began our relationship with them. So our contribution to this incredible project should be covered in the monies that we've already raised. In most of our conference calls, which are many, <laughs> and our friends, um, our friends at Kaboom, they just can't get over how prepared we are for this event already. They would go down the list of all the things that needs to be done to make this project work. And the, the fundraising is one of the biggest portions and the struggles that nonprofits face. And it felt so great to be able to say, we've already done that. We have that. We've raised that. And they've come, when they come to that question, I think it blows them away. And we have a lot of projects around here that get done and don't seem to be so much fun. But they're equally as necessary. For instance, the roof very necessary, but it's not fun. The air conditioning and heating, very necessary, but not fun. I could go on and on. However, um, it's so exciting to work on something now that is so much fun. And it's going to be a fun project. That 45,000 cars driving on Arrow Highway every day will be able to see. So thank you for your consistency in your faithfulness. And that we might be small, we might be a small little church, an Arrow Community Center, but we are very mighty. So I wanted to um, just point out again the March 11th. Yes, it was the 10th. You might have gotten a paper last week that invited you to the 10th. We have had to change the date. It will be March 11th. So, um, and you don't need to come for the site walk. That's when they come. But 5 o'clock is when it starts for all of us, 5 o'clock with the children. So I just want to thank you for letting me interrupt. Or, um, well, you didn't really let me. <laughs> Blessings come in all forms, don't they? There is a slightly over 100-pound blessing. Uh, and certainly, how, how's that? Not bad, huh? Yeah, you always stay within 100 pounds, and you're always clear. Well, thank you for that. And this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to put feet to this thing. Well, let me just quickly bring us up to date then. Two years ago, uh, I'm going to list you some things, and then we have our, another good thing that we're going to do here. But John Maxwell said it this way, learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. We, two years ago, started a process of how we're going to do a preschool here for, uh, that's affordable. 
We decided that it was necessary to do that in our neighborhood. However, we couldn't afford to do it. So we said, leadership said, we're just going to put that on a back burner, and we're going to work hard on doing that, but we can't do it at this time. Then the YMCA comes along, and guess what? The preschool is here. 22 students are here every day. Their moms and dads are picking them up and leaving them off, and they're going to grow to over 40 students. Isn't that amazing? We, we waited, and in God's time, he brought the solution. And we don't have to manage it. It's so wonderful. They're tremendous people and partnering with us on this project. So let me read you something. We had a little brochure that we put out about Arrow Community Center that had some dreams on it, future dreams. So listen to these future dreams. One was called Esperanza. It was a college prep program that we wanted to do, but we were never able to do it. Well, we are now in talks with the YMCA about a middle school program, after school program, to equip uh, middle school students in their scholarship as well as their character development and athleticism. So that's going to happen probably in the next year. Food distribution was another thing. Well, Love Incorporated takes care of that for us, and, and they're here, and they distribute and help people all over the area. A playground was on the list, and these are the order that we had dreamed about. And, of course, that's the answer that Kimmy just gave you. English classes. Well, our Spanish congregation with Pastor Ronaldo, they do English classes with our Spanish-speaking folks. Parenting classes. We've done those, and we're going to do those some more through Arrow Community Center. Health clinics. There is a, there is a health... Um, uh, day, was that a week from Monday? A life scan. Is it a week from Monday? It wasn't on the announcement. But in the booth, we have information about life scan. We're trying to, to develop some health, uh, 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 affordable health helps uh, to, for folks. And then early childhood development in the preschool. So, so where are we now? Here we are. We had 800 and what was it, 20 feet or so in 2001. Well, I want to show you a picture of feet. They're all girls' feet, I noticed, but they're feet. And uh, I'll give you the number. Right now, on this property, on any given week, there are 1,640 feet on this property every week. 1,640 feet. Well, 1,642, because we just added one. So we've got to keep the stats up. And that's an amazing response. And uh, I, I'm just excited to be a part of that, and I know you are too. So I want you to do this, and then we have a blessing coming our way. Up on the screen is the prayer of Jabez. And I want you to pray that with me. Let's pray it together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Let's do it one more time. I really want you to get this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. I'll tell you why God's going to bless you. He's not going to bless you just to make you rich. He's not gonna, that's not a God blessing. You might be capable of doing that, and you, you're welcome to do all that you can do. But I'll tell you his purpose in blessing you. His purpose in blessing you is so that you can bless others. You're the means by which others will be blessed. 
He will bless you more and more and more as you bless others. So keep it in mind. May you be a conduit of amazing blessings that go through your life, through your family, through the house that you live in, through your neighborhood. And in so doing, may his grace and his love and his presence be known to a whole new generation. Well, we're not done yet. We have something even better than all of this. Good morning. This is, well, this is actually two of our classes, our first graders who are sometimes seventh, eighth, and ninth graders. <laughs> and we have been busy for a couple of months praying and doing something for you. What have we been making, Gabby? Encouragement. Louder. Encouragement <clears throat> cards. Encouragement cards. Have you had fun, Samantha? Yes. Really? Yes, yes. What <laughs> kinds of things do we put in our encouragement cards? Um, Bible verses. Bible verses. And what did we do on the outside, Stephen? We decorated them. We had fun. Check them out. There's all kinds. Ooh. Who gets these cards, Isaiah? The people here. The people here. These <laughs> are <laughs> so funny. Okay, who would those people here? Everybody point to the people who are here. How many does each person get? One. One. And what are they supposed to do with them? Who knows? Down here. Okay, this Sarah. Put them in their Bible. Put them in oh, your Bible. Okay. And when you open your Bible, I want you to remember that our class has been praying for you, that we've been praying for encouragement and blessings for you as a congregation. And we've made something else. Those of you whose hands are free, hold your hands up. Big and tall. They're not all real clean, are they? What have we been doing up there? Who hasn't answered a question? What have we been doing, Erica? Tracing hands. And? Making cookies. Decorating cookies. So moms and dads are going to have a little food coloring on them. Some of them have them in their hair. Who has it in their hair? <laughs> Gabby. <laughs> that wasn't her fault. Miss Des did that. So we just want you to know you are in our hearts and prayers, even as a Sunday school class. Nick is going to pray for us. And then when you're dismissed, these cards will be out on the table. Please take one. And there's cookies out there they've decorated for you. And so enjoy them and know that they love you. Please bow your heads. God, thank you for this day. Can you please bless the church and help everyone? to be encouraged by our encouraging cards. And thank you for having um, us be able to finally build a playground. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that great? Thank you, Miss Vicki. Thanks, kids. Good job. Excellent job. Uh, I was corrected. The number of uh, feet on the property in, the, in 2001 was 366 feet. 
I way overstated. But now it is 1,620 currently. So that's even a bigger blessing. So you are given the responsibility to bless someone else. So when we do this again in a couple of years, it'll be about 3,240 or 2,341. But keep in mind, God is working. You are the blessing of Jabez. And may you be the one that touches so many lives.